There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Opinion Line, Corks 96FM. I suppose it's time to catch up with the headquarters of the battle, the world headquarters of the battle against COVID-19, and that is the World Health Organization. I'm delighted to say that their special envoy on COVID-19, Dr. David Navarro, joins me now on the opinion line. Good morning, Dr. Navarro. Good morning. Good morning to you, PJ. How do you do? It's nice to be connected. And good to, good to speak with you again. Yes, Dr. Navarro, the third wave. Um, yeah. What are the feelings of the WHO about the third wave? How severe is it? How long is it likely to last? So first of all, everybody, this is a ferocious resurgence of the virus. It's partly because we have been moving around a bit recently, particularly over the Christmas period. It's partly because there's a new and more transmissible strain of the virus appearing. And uh, it's partly also because there are just more and more people in more and more places who are infected. And that means that to get the numbers of cases down, governments all over Europe and indeed all over the world are saying, are we going to have to be even tougher in our restrictions or is there some other way of emerging from this difficulty? And why is it difficult? First of all, when you've got this kind of resurgence of this disease, it really does cause havoc for health services. I don't know the full details in Cork, but all over the world I'm hearing reports of hospitals, not everywhere, but in certain locations being full, staff working in healthcare absolutely exhausted, and a, a real sense among the public that it's really hard to get the, the care you need. And the second and last point I'd just like to add is that there is a, a little bit of anxiety among some groups of people that they really are not quite sure when this is going to end. They hope that the arrival of vaccines will lead to the resurgence going down, but they, they're a bit nervous that the rollout of vaccines is slower than would ideally be needed to stop the pandemic in its tracks. And I think if we, if we want to spend a bit of a moment just 
what is the next few months likely to be like, uh, then I think that might be helpful to some listeners. Well, it is seen as the light at the end of the tunnel, yes, sir. Dr. Navarro, that the vaccine yeah. is coming, the vaccines are coming. Yeah. They should change things, shouldn't they? Absolutely. Let me start by saying what the vaccine offers us right now. We've not got unlimited doses available. Still, we're, we're dealing with some of the early vaccines that are coming through the testing process. They're getting regulatory approval, they're being rolled out, but the amounts of vaccine are quite small uh, compared to the need. So the first thing this vaccine will do is by being offered primarily to people who are most vulnerable, it should lead to reductions in the risks of severe sickness and death. The second thing, but it'll take longer, is it should bring the overall pandemic down because you get more and more people immunized in the community and that leads to much greater uh, willing, uh, resistance to the virus. But I think that second part, the getting the pandemic down, will take longer. The first mm -hmm. part, which is protecting those who are most vulnerable and frail, that should be starting now because anybody who's immunized within uh, two or three weeks will be developing antibodies and this will give them protection against infection. You mentioned that production is, is still relatively yes. low yes. and I imagine that the WHO is in contact all the time with the various, the, the various uh, vac vaccine companies. Like, yes. How can production be ramped up? How quickly can it be ramped up globally? Each time you've got a vaccine, you have a process for making certain that that vaccine can be offered to people. You need to test it by putting it through a series of trials. Vaccines go through a three-phase trial process. Phase one, testing it on volunteers. Phase two, testing it on a population, again, with consent. Phase three, still with consent, testing it on multiple populations. Once the vaccine's gone through the third phase, provided that it's shown to work and provided that it's safe, then the dossier goes to the national regulator, or in the case of the European Union members, to the European regulator. And the regulator says, okay, I will either give this a, a, a license for unrestricted use or I'll give it an emergency use authorization for use under close supervision. Right at the moment, the vaccines coming through are being licensed for use under close supervision. And you're absolutely right. In the WHO, we need to get the data from the manufacturers, the results from their trials, so that we can quickly work with governments to say whether or not a vaccine should be used. And there's just some, some really important work going on now dialogue between the World Health Organization and the manufacturers trying to get really up to date on some of the vaccines that are coming on stream. There's one from AstraZeneca and Oxford University. There's one from uh, Russia called the Gamalaya vaccine. It's got a trademark of Sputnik V. And then there's another one from China from a company called Sinopharm. And there'll be more coming on board as well. But the job right now is to keep looking at 
what the data are about these vaccines and then trying to match supply with demand and get vaccine not just to the rich countries but to every country to the people who need it the most particularly the health workers yeah of course one of the things that we hope to get back to when we have a good global vaccination program yep. is travel yep. um, how long before you do you think doctor before we can travel freely again I think it'll be some time before free travel is possible because there will be differences in the risks of COVID between countries and also those risks will change over time because of the surging that I described. And truly, I think free travel will only happen when every country in the world has got the vaccine that it needs to get the virus under control and that won't be until at least next year so i think there will be restrictions on travel right through 2021 but that doesn't mean no travel it just means that different governments will need to work out with each other whether or not they have similar risk profiles and therefore whether or not travel can be allowed unimpeded or whether there will need to be travel but with quarantine for those on arrival plus or minus the need for certificates of vaccination or recent testing just do you see that as a reality that we'll have to have proof of vaccine or proof of recent tests i think proof of recent testing is going to become pretty well widespread i think proof of vaccination is a little bit more difficult partly because of the variety of vaccines that are available and the fact that we haven't yet got all this standardized. So much depends on governments, not only sorting out what they want to do inside their borders, but having the spare time and energy to participate in the kind of global negotiations that will be necessary to establish what kind of certification is necessary. We're not there yet, PJ, but that's the kind of stuff that my colleagues and I expect to be working on a lot during 2021. And it's great because the European Union is also focused on this and it's quite nice to be able to deal with a block of countries uh, that are trying to deal with the issues in a harmonised way. You, you mentioned earlier countries that you know may not have the facilities or the ability yeah. to implement a vaccine programme. Could that right. lead to a kind of a, a two-tier world? Well, I, I, I have been myself wondering whether we're going to end up with not just a two-tier world, but perhaps a multi-tier world. Uh, but, but the most defining uh, feature of it from the COVID perspective being countries that are going wealthy, being able to vaccinate their populations, countries that are poor, just really frustrated that they can't get vaccine. And they, there could be some... some quite difficult and even ugly scenes appearing if there really is a sense that vaccine is just not getting to the people who need it the most, the people in poor countries. So what I'm encouraging all governments to do is to come in behind an initiative of the World Health Organization together with other international bodies that was set up following a request from leaders in May last year called COVAX, and this is a device that enables any country to access vaccine at the lowest possible price 
through what we call a risk-sharing scheme. This COVAX is looking very promising, but it's, uh, it's financially short by about five billion US dollars for what's needed for 2021. So uh, you will hear me uh, crying from whatever hilltop I can get to, saying, please, could everybody who's got resources make sure that this facility for the poor countries and the four poor people of the world is properly financed. Compared with the amount of money that's been put in to stimulate the economy of countries all over the world, uh, a request for five billion for some degree of vaccine equity is not an unreasonable request. And that's what we're all pushing for really hard right now. Certainly wish you well in, in gathering that funding together. Yes. Doctor, to finish, um, many yes. times uh, over the last number of months, we've, we've heard quotes, and I would hasten to suggest misquotes, mm. on what the WHO and what you in particular have said on lockdown. Now, as we yes. hear, uh, we are in the midst of another one. Can I ask you clearly, distinctly, and finally, Dr. Navarro, what yes, is your view on lockdown in the, in, the, in the case of a surge like we currently have? I've mentioned that lockdown should not be the primary means through which governments, whether they are local authorities or national governments, try to help bring this pandemic under control. But when you've got a really ferocious surge, like what's happening in the United Kingdom, like what's happening in parts of Ireland, you sometimes have no alternative but to ask people to stay at home. The reason why we've been a little bit anxious about lockdowns is we've got so much evidence from all over the world that asking people to stay at home has a whole series of other impacts. It leads to challenges in the home. People get very anxious and mentally unwell. It leads to difficulties for children's education. Most importantly, poorer people find that it really plays havoc with their ability to keep their income stream going at home and to avoid going into bad debt. So we've been saying, do everything you can to avoid using lockdown. And that means making certain that you have the capacities in place in all societies to identify people with the disease, to isolate them, to find their contacts and quarantine them, because in the end, that's the way you get rid of this virus. Now, not everybody's been able to do that, and that's why we've had resurgence and had to go back into lockdown. But if we can, when we come out of this latest lockdown, let's do everything possible to interrupt transmission everywhere through identification, through testing and then contact tracing and then isolation. Dr. Navarro, thank you very much for your time this morning and I wish you success in the work that you and your colleagues at WHO are trying to do. Thank you, PJ, and greetings to every, all listeners. Thank you for all that you're doing. It's a joint effort. Thanks. Thank you very much. That's Dr. David Navarro on the Opinion Line on Cox 96M. He is the World Health Organization's special envoy on COVID-19. And for those who have been saying on social media, on calls and texts to the Opinion Line for the last couple of months, what the WHO is supposed to be saying on lockdown 
You just heard it from the man himself. Corks 96 FM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.